It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome back for episode seven of the Atop the Pitbox podcast. I'm Zach Dick along with my partner, Josh Rolfes. And we are going to do a little Q&A session tonight since there was an off week last week. Changing things up here on the podcast. Josh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Zach. How's uh how's your week going without any NASCAR? It's it's been long. It's been long. <laughs> Luckily, you know, there's there's some other sports on TV right now. CWS is in town. So you got something to watch or something to do, but I'm I'm ready to uh to watch a race this weekend. What about you? Yeah, I'm excited. So I know that uh we didn't want to go another week without an episode, so we figured we would Kind of touch on some some higher level stuff. If you've been watching NASCAR for a long time, uh, this episode probably isn't for you. Uh, we do have a lot of newer NASCAR fans out there, people that are just you know finding the sport. So we thought on the off week it would be a good idea to reach out to some people and see what questions people had, what what kind of uh, things we can clarify for for everyone, uh, and just kind of talk about about nascar so before we get into the episode we do want to thank you so much for listening and making sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified whenever a new episode drops each week Uh, we also want to remind you about november 6th we will be at the west side in harlan iowa to watch the final race and crown our champion so please uh, hopefully we'll see everybody there at the west side on november 6th and then lastly uh, we I sent out an email last week uh, to with a link to join the Discord. So if you don't know what a Discord is, it's basically a, a giant group chat where everyone can kind of come together. We can talk about the podcast. We can talk about NASCAR. We can talk about anything that, that we want to. It's just a, a basically a giant group chat. And so wanted to just give another... Uh, another avenue for for everybody to kind of get together and, and talk talk NASCAR and and get together and and just build the community so the the discord I'll send the link out again this week but the uh, the discord is out there for everybody that wants to join and, and check that out we'll welcome anybody to to check it out so with that being said we we talked to some some newer NASCAR fans Zach and and we got some questions so we want to we want to kind of start with some some higher level questions and uh, you being the expert on the podcast and that the fantasy <laughs> and nascar expert we're gonna we're gonna throw them to you i will play the uh the newbie so uh, i'll be throwing out the questions and we'll see what you what you got so uh the first question is around the point systems and and how it affects the playoffs so we've we've been talking about the fantasy nascar playoffs and 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 the top 24 in our league make it but how does the the point system in in nascar work and and how does it affect the, the playoffs really setting the bar high josh you're really setting the bar high i'll, I'll see what we can do here uh in, in regards to the point system so if you guys can recall a couple years ago nascar decided to start uh what they call stage racing and the whole intent behind that was to basically create more excitement throughout the race uh, for the fans, as well as give drivers some bonus points to make each stage 
as well as the win itself more important, which is why you have drivers basically wrecking each other for wins because they're that important. But just for from an overall standpoint, based on how you finish, so like first place gets 40 points, second place gets 35 points, and then it goes down by one all the way until 36 position, which is one point. Anybody after that gets one point as well. So those points carry forward and basically you accrue them each, each week. In regards to the stage playoff, you know, stage points, which are very, very crucial come playoff time, the top 10 drivers in each stage get, get points, which then carry forward into the playoffs. So if you finish first in, in any stage, it's an automatic 10 bonus points. Second place is nine. And then, you know, you work your way down until 10th gets one point. So these points carry forward into the playoffs. So come playoff time or after 26 races, the 16 drivers that make the playoffs, they all reset points wise. But all of your stage points as well as your your win your win numbers, those carry over into the playoffs. So that's what kind of differentiates the standings. And again, just makes it so critical for these guys to win stages as well as wins or, or races uh, in these first 26 races. So I hear on the pod or on the broadcast uh, a lot that they talk about the stage points being so important. So you get one point for a stage win. So explain to you get, oh, you 10, get 10 points, points for the, that's right. Yep. You get 10 points for the, for the, for the win. Uh, how, why is that so important come playoff time? What does that, how does that correlate to a better advantage in the playoffs? The more stages you win or the, the higher finishing position you have in those stages, those points carry over to the playoffs. So basically if you want to win those stages, but if you win those stage or or if you finish in the top five top ten pretty consistently you're going to start out the playoffs or race number one out of ten ahead of the rest of your drivers based on just the number of stage points you've accrued throughout the first 26 races so, so the gives points them a head, leader gives them a, an advantage a, a head start essentially going into cor- the into the playoffs correct yep so so, so again the play you, your points reset so you might have the highest points total after 26 races, but if you don't have any wins or if you don't have any stage points, you're going to start at number 16 or tied last start, you know, starting playoff time. So that's why it's just so important for these guys to, to get as many points as they can in regards to stages or wins so that they can hopefully have a buffer going into the first three races or around one of the playoffs. So that makes sense. So how does that differ from how we calculate our fantasy points for the league? So it's almost like a reverse system if you think about it. Like our fantasy standings, you want to accrue the least amount of points. So a stage win, you get negative points. If your driver wins the race, you get negative points. So it's basically just a role reversal of what NASCAR does. But with our fantasy standings in our calculations you want to accrue the least amount of points throughout the season come playoff time top 24 drivers makes the playoffs we have our, our the same rounds as nascar does three race rounds 
And then this year we kind of switched it up for the championship race to be a complete reset, six drivers, whoever has the best finish points wise in that final race is going to be your ultimate champion for 2022. So let's talk about some, some common rule violations that we see. And, and we've seen quite a, a good variety of, of uh, violations this year. And let's start with the black flag. So that's a pretty simple one. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of a black flag, but what does that mean? So a black flag basically just means the driver either needs to, one, serve a penalty, two, needs to get something fixed on the car, or three, he is essentially disqualified from the race. I've seen a couple black flags in my time watching NASCAR. The, the one that really sticks out to me is if you're at Daytona or Talladega or now Atlanta because they've turned Atlanta basically into another super speedway type race. Again, don't get me started on Atlanta. I, I think it's terrible, but nonetheless. Tons of passing there. Tons of passing. <laughs> yeah, nonetheless, it's now a super speedway race. But they have the, the, the rule where you can't go behind or below the yellow line. Those are the only three tracks that you can't go below the yellow line. And if you do go below the yellow line and make a pass and don't give that position up, you get black flag, which means you have to serve a pass-through penalty down pit road, most likely lose one, maybe even two laps, depending on if you're able to get a drafting partner or not. But essentially black flag just means something happened where you either got to serve a pit road penalty there's something wrong with your car and you've got to get it fixed, aka leaking fluid, something of that nature, or three, you, you've basically been parked for the race. So another common rule violation happens on pit road, and we've seen this many, many times this this year. The most common, I think, is is speeding. So uh, speeding on pit road and, and obviously the race off pit road speeding. So talk a little bit about the reason why and how that's how that's controlled yeah so there's there's timing zones on pit road and it's all electronic and essentially every racetrack has a pit road uh, speed limit per se some are 55 i think some maybe be faster some are slower depending on just how wide the how wide the pit road is the dangers etc and if you go i think th there is a there's an overage. So I think you can go maybe two miles, maybe three miles over the designated speed limit. And if you exceed that threshold, that is when you get hit by NASCAR with a penalty and then have to do a pass through, which unfortunately you got to come back down pit road at pit road speed. And most of the time you do lose a lap unless it's at a really big track. Um, again, we've seen quite a few of those this year. Uh, we've also seen removing equipment, whether it be the gas can, whether well, it I have another question on speeding though, before we go to removing equipment. So okay. how do, how do the drivers measure how fast they're going? They have a speedometer in the car, right? So they do not have a speedometer <laughs> in the car. So wild. This, yeah, this is this. I'm glad you brought this up because <laughs> if you've, if you've ever been like, you know, with a driver who has an in-car camera or anything like that. How these guys measure their their speed is attack, and it's based on RPMs, and then they also have lights on the dashboard. So there's Insane. like three or four 
lights. They're either yellow or green, whatever you, whatever color they want them to be. And then if they exceed that, it turns red. So these drivers have to flirt with the yellow or green or red. And again, you can't exceed it by the little overage or that's when you get hit with the penalty. So that is one nuance of NASCAR that is really crazy if you think about it, is they, they just don't have a speedometer in the car. So this is literally off feel, all based on RPMs and these little lights that they have on the dash. Is that done on purpose or is that just one of those NASCAR weird things that has always been that way and, and we haven't changed yet? So, I, I mean, I don't know of any race car that truly has a speedometer in their car. I mean, we get to see the miles per hour on TV because they've got the technology to kind of tell us what the drivers are doing. But I just think, you know, it's something that they've never had. And so why change? I mean, it, it makes it trickier for the drivers to make sure to keep it within a certain mile per hour. Uh, and I don't know if there's enough room, honestly, on their dash to have another gauge with how much stuff they already have on there. So it, it's basically, you know, they've never done it in the past. and they haven't to this point so okay well good good to know so now we can move on to the uh removing equipment piece and we've seen this a couple times and this is uh one where maybe a gas can gets left in the car or they take the, the jack with them off the tire and and they leave so it's it's more of a safety uh a, a safety rule but it's it can be pretty severe correct yeah yeah it's basically the same same uh same penalty as speeding so you're most likely going to lose a lap and so when you think about pit road you think about the equipment you think about speeding i mean all of this is in play for pit crew safety and we've seen a couple pit crew members this year actually get hit by a car you know got got their leg ran over denny hamlin ran over De joey logano's crew member on accident which Logano was pretty pretty mad about, kind of called Denny Hamlin out. Denny Hamlin didn't even know what happened because his his crew guys didn't tell him that on the radio. Uh, that's one less thing that the, these guys drivers need to uh, focus on or or worry about when they're on the track. But um, all this is is just to try to keep these guys as safe as possible. And when you watch these races, some of these pit roads are really really tight, and I'm just putting myself in these guys' shoes. There is no chance I would ever be a tire carrier or a pit road guy over the wall, minus the, the gas can, man, because these guys just are, are essentially putting their lives almost on the line every single time there's there's a, a pit stop with how fast these guys are coming in and how close these cars are. I mean, and to, to piggyback off that, you you said pit road speed is is 55-ish miles an hour which compared to how fast they normally go is, is pretty slow and you see them coming down pit road. But think about being on the highway and getting hit with a, a car at 55 miles an hour. That's That can do some serious damage. So if those guys that fly in over the wall, throwing their bodies out there to change those tires, they they have to have a, a level of faith that there's not going to be a, a car barreling down, uh, you know, trying to take them out by accident, you know, it's, it, it can happen. So, um, the other piece to that, and, and we've seen it with Denny Hamlin is issues, more serious safety issues 
that NASCAR or issues that NASCAR perceives as more more serious, such as the lug nuts. And typically last year we had five lug nuts on the wheels. This year there's only one. And that comes with a bigger penalty versus just a, a pit road penalty. Yep. No, that's correct. So like you mentioned, they, they changed to a center hub this year and we've seen it quite a few times already where teams don't get this hub tightened enough and the tire comes off. And we've also seen the opposite where we've seen a team tighten the wheel too tight. (laughs) Eric Jones, they couldn't get the tire off. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So, um, You've seen both sides, but unfortunately, if you do lose a tire, NASCAR has said because of the seriousness, I mean, you don't want these tires rolling in, you know, flying into the stands or or hitting another car, going through a windshield or anything crazy like that. So basically, if you lose a tire, they're slapping these teams with a four race penalty where they lose their their crew chief, they lose their tire guy. And they lose the Jackman. We we've seen Denny Hamlin win without his crew chief. Kyle Larson's the latest to get hit with a four race suspension here with his for his crew chief and, and pit road guy. So we'll see if that has any impact to him for the next four weeks. But that's probably the most serious penalty that you can get while racing on the track. It's kind of a, a unique situation because you don't really see that anywhere in other sports where. You know, some player, a football player, you know, targets or, you know, viciously hits somebody and they suspend the defensive coordinator and the head coach for for four weeks. You know, it's it's kind of a weird, uh, a weird rule. Uh, But obviously NASCAR is is saying this is an important thing for us and we're going to make sure that you guys respect that rule as well. So um, anything else on any other common rule violations that you can think of that? pertains to or anything that you want to talk about with rule violations um i mean before this next gen car there was i mean there would be quite a few penalties in regards to just what the teams were doing to the bodies to the chassis just trying to get an advantage on the track and this next gen car has basically eliminated that so you just don't see a lot in regards to that, you know, they're able to go through the laser. They basically, when it, when a car shows up to a track, they got to go through this laser system that NASCAR has to make sure everything measures correctly. And there's, there's no um, monkey business per se happening. So the only thing that I can think of that has happened this year was that serious penalty handed down to Roush Fenway Keselowski racing and Brad Keselowski where they got docked a significant amount of points. And it was something to do with what they were doing to the wheels. I don't know if there's ever been an explanation that that has come out to, to say exactly what they were doing, but they said they were trying to do it from a safety standpoint. They had an appeals process. Unfortunately for them, it didn't go their way. They still were docked those penalties. So that's the only one that really stands out to me for this year. But again, the next-gen car has kind of got rid of most of those would-be penalties when these teams were kind of messing with stuff to try to gain an advantage on the track. Before the race, the cars have to get inspected. But then they also have to pass a an inspection after the race. So 
the the race results aren't official until that inspection has completed. Has there been a, a failed inspection where they have lost the race because they failed the inspection? I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I can guarantee you there has been instances of that happening uh, in NASCAR. I know that last year, and we talked about this on our last podcast, actually. So Chase Elliott finished 13th at Nashville last year, but he got disqualified because he had five five loose lug nuts. So again, I don't know about a winner, but I know that you know the lug nuts. If, if you had over, I think it was three loose lug nuts, you got disqualified. Back in the day when they were messing with engines, bodies, chassis, I'm sure there's there's been examples of of teams or drivers that have been caught after after finishing in the top three or winning the race um, and, and unfortunately got that win taken from them. But it does happen. It doesn't happen very often. But, uh, it, again, it, it does exist, and I'm sure it's happened quite a bit in the past. So I looked up uh... – the winners that have failed inspections and it, it pulled up Joey Logano from 2017. Looks like he won in Richmond and then failed the post-race inspection and was not able to use that win to make the, the cup playoff. So as far as I can tell, 2017 was the last year. So, you know, what's funny is I do remember, I remember him getting, or that race, you know, him getting disqualified for that. Um, and I can't remember if that, I don't know if that was the year that, that he got taken out by Kenseth or not, if that was their dust up. So when, it says, uh, this is the first read. time NASCAR has encountered an encumbered finish towards the winner since adding the policy to its rule books in September of 2016. So this is the closest NASCAR comes to outright disqualifying a winner that fails post-race inspection interesting so it doesn't okay, happen so that I, often it doesn't doesn't appear yeah uh so i just looked it up so their feud was before his disqualification in 2017 and, and this is really funny because of his misfortunes the last driver to sneak into the playoffs that year was none other than matt kenseth <laughs> so it's funny how karma works in regards to that stuff. So, yeah, I, I do remember that now that you say that. And then, like I said, Chase Elliott got disqualified last year. He, he didn't win, but he finished 13th, and he had too many loose lug nuts. So he got sent to the back of the line. So it does happen. doesn't happen very often from what we've researched, but um, it, it does happen. So I also want to ask you about something that I've personally wondered a lot um, and haven't really able to – to be or haven't been able to really find an answer to when NASCAR cup drivers drive in the lower their lower ranks. So, you know, sometimes you'll see Kyle Busch or Kyle Larson race in the trucks or the, the Xfinity cars or other cup drivers racing in Xfinity. What is the qualifications for that? Is there a limit? What are the rules around letting a, driver from the highest level of racing go down and race inferior competition yep so there never used to be 
the strict rules in regards to this. And I don't know if they were put in place last year, two years ago, if it was this year, but essentially they, they changed the rules so that NASCAR cup drivers or regular cup drivers are capped at five races in the Xfinity series as well as the truck series. And the only reason why I know that is Kyle Busch loves, you know, he's got his, he owns uh, trucks, truck teams. I think he owns three truck teams and he likes to go down and, and race in the trucks because he's got a crazy amount of wins. And he's got a win streak that he wants to keep, keep alive where he's won a race every year for crazy amount of years in the truck series. But he's, he's capped to five in this most recent truck race that he was in and won was his fifth race. So if he didn't win that, his, his winning streak would have ended, but they capped it at five. And the reason for that is they want to give, you know, the Xfinity series drivers as well as the camping world truck series drivers, just a chance to win those races for those teams and not have the cup guys come down and essentially poach wins. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I, again, I've only been watching NASCAR for like five years, so I still relate everything to, to football or other sports I've watched my whole life. And it's a weird thing to see. It'd be like an NFL player going down and playing a couple games in college. Yeah. And it's, it's just kind of weird. Um, I, I also thought that maybe it was used as a, strategy to scout the court or stack scout the track and and kind of see what lines are working at that point um is that something that plays into the decisions is it just whenever the teams want to or whenever the driver wants to do it he's able to do it how's that decided well you brought up a good point in the in the first and foremost reason why these guys go down and do it Besides Kyle Busch, he does it for fun. He, he enjoys racing the truck series, and, and he owns teams. So he goes there and tries to help teams, and then it's a way for him to lure sponsorship dollars to his team, saying, hey, if you sign or, or want to sign up to be a sponsor for my race team, I'll drive five races this year and have you as my sponsor as a way to get, get their name out marketing-wise. So that is one reason why you know some of the guys do it. But the biggest reason these days with the number of different tracks they've added to the schedule, especially road courses, they are going down to the Xfinity series for essential practice time. Because like we discussed in our podcast uh, two weeks ago now, or last week, I should say, there's not a lot of practice time anymore for these drivers at these new newer racetracks. And they don't do hardly any testing anymore as well. So it's just a way to get these drivers in the seat and to get them on the track so that come Sunday in NASCAR, they have some experience at that racetrack and hopefully get a better finish, you know, at the end of the day. So those five races, how does, how does that impact the driver of that car that drives for the other, whatever races, however many races Xfinity has, are they, are they like, why is this guy coming down and trying to race my car? Is it just kind of a, a thing that people accept? Yeah, so it, it's kind of a mix of both. If a NASCAR Cup driver jumps into an Xfinity car that is currently being raced in the season, that driver won't accrue points that week, but it'll still accrue points for the ownership championship. So there's two different standings. You have the driver standings and you have the 
ownership or manufacturer championship standing. So that's kind of the difference there. Most of the time, these cup drivers are jumping into cars or, or entries that they don't race every single week. So you normally don't have that issue. But if they are jumping into a, an existing car in that series, like I said, they, they just don't accrue championship points for that driver. So, yeah, if you're a driver and, and you're racing almost full time in the series and, and you get told, hey, you know, Alex Bowman's jumping in to race this road course or Christopher Bell's jumping in to race that road course. You're probably not too happy about it, but I'm sure they have all of that stuff figured out before the year even starts so that you know ahead of time, uh, you know, of that exact situation. So they're using the same car that would be ran by the Xfinity Cup driver? They're, they're using that exact same car or do they have their own like number and car that they would come down and run with? It, it literally just depends. I know that Hendrick just just signed a new, I, I don't know if it was three or five race Xfinity schedule for, for I think, one of each of his Hendrick drivers to race. I think a lot of them are at the road courses. So I think that number is completely different and a completely separate entry than most. But like I said, if you do jump into a car that is raced every single week by a different driver, you just don't accrue points for that week. So um, a majority of the time, though, I think it's it's basically brand new. So it's just going to be an added entry, a different number, different sponsor, and it's just a way for these guys to get practice at these new tracks, especially when, when you have so many road courses that have been added to the schedule here the last two years. Perfect. That's what I was wondering. So uh, let's get into some, some other things that we kind of jotted down here to cover. Uh, favorite race of 2022. So the, my favorite race this year was the Coca-Cola 600. California was a pretty good race. I think Vegas was a pretty solid race as well. The short tracks haven't been that exciting and hopefully they can, they can make some rule changes here to the cars so that, you know, those races can, can be more exciting here, especially come playoff time. But Coca-Cola 600 longest race of the year. It was on one of the, you know, it's the biggest race day of the year when you have F1 at Monaco, you got the IndyCar uh, 500, and then you have the Coca-Cola 600. So I think that was the best race. Unfortunately, it was the longest. It it was basically like a six-hour race, so it was a really long night. But overall, the racing was really good, and and there was some drama there at the end. So that's my race. What about you? So I also am generally a short track fan. Uh, If 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 it was a normal year, I think it, my answer would be, you know, a Bristol. But obviously, the dirt track is not one of our favorites, and so I think my my favorite race is probably the Darlington race. It had a lot of good drama. It had you know some some feuding going on that kind of has has continued throughout the throughout the year, and Chastain kind of was was the first maybe time where he kind of asserted his dominance a little or asserted his aggression a little too much. Um, but just a, a crazy race. And, and I thought that was probably the one that jumps out the most. Obviously Daytona 500 is a, is a great race just because it's the start of the season and, and we've got racing back and it's such a big day. So that, that and everything that it entails obviously is, is one that, will stick out for forever uh just because of the the circumstances surrounding it but uh yeah i think darlington would probably be my my favorite of this year yeah no darlington was great 
Logano versus Byron. Again, we're, we're following some feuds here for the rest of the year, and we'll see if any any of the drivers that got disrespe- disrespected or, or kind of shaken or or taken advantage of uh, get payback here at the end of the year. Time will tell. What is your favorite race ever? I know you're you're a newer NASCAR fan. You've been in the fantasy league here for four or five-ish years. You're starting to watch more races. But what has been your favorite race ever that you can recall? So I, it's hard for me to pick a favorite race. If I, so two two races come to mind. One is when Chase Elliott won the the championship. And obviously being a Chase Elliott fan and, and seeing him win it was, was pretty cool. So I'll always remember that. But the, the, the first race that kind of came to mind was the Ryan Newman crash. That, that race was one that we were at the West side for, got rained out and waited till Monday. I was, you know, watching the race at home with my kids and, and then, obviously, at that point, I was still a pretty new uh, NASCAR fan, so I had heard, you know, about the crashes with Earnhardt and stuff, and but never really seen it live. And seeing that crash, and my daughter going, "Is he all right?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, he's fine," and not knowing, uh, seeing just everything that happened with that, and then to see him, you know, out of the hospital two weeks later and, and racing that that year was just incredible. So that. I don't know if that's a favorite, but that is one that that sticks out to me, and probably one that I'll I'll never forget. What about you? Yeah, well, just speaking of that Newman in, Newman rack, man, that was probably the craziest or gnarliest hit that we've seen in a very very long time, especially with the safety advances of these cars. So, like you, I remember, we were we were ta- we were texting back and forth, and we were yep. follow. Everyone was refreshing Twitter, and and I remember just you know kind of leaning on you and and nort because you guys have been fans for so long and you know seeing the black tarp come out and it it was it obviously did not look good from the video the way that it was he was hit in the windshield it was it was pretty pretty uh gut-wrenching to watch that that happen Yep, and then like you said, it, when when he sent that picture out on Twitter of him walking out with his two daughters holding, you know, holding their hands, um, like like you said, that's a moment that I'll probably never forget, just as a NASCAR fan, because that was just unbelievable that he was able to walk away from that thing and only be in the hospital for a day or two with how hard and he, he got raced. Hit. He raced that that year. He came back to race, which I can, I just can't imagine the nerves and the the thoughts that were going through his mind when he went back to Daytona after that injury and, and having to go through that, that, that track again, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, my favorite race. I mean, this, this goes way back. This goes back to, to 2001. So for all you, all you Dale Earnhardt fans, that, that was the year, unfortunately that, that he passed away. Daytona 500 that February. Well, come July, they they go back to Daytona. It's Pepsi 400. Dale Earnhardt my, Jr., Michael Waltrip have super fast cars. And, you know, everyone knows how that race ended. Dale Jr. ended up winning. Waltrip finished second. And I think it'll go down as one of the greatest end-of-race celebrations that we probably will ever see 
uh, in NASCAR when, you know, they both were celebrating on the infield doing donuts and all their crew members come out, like all of Dale Sr.'s crew members came out. Everyone was hugging and high-fiving each other. Still gives me chills to think about it to this day. Um, and, and if you haven't seen that race or haven't, haven't uh, you know, remember, if you don't remember that race, you should go watch it on YouTube. There's some highlights there. And it, it was just really, really cool to see. And basically, um, if you – if you believe in a higher power or, or any type of coincident type stuff, I mean, it was just meant to be that he won that race. So that's the one race that sticks out to me um, and, and probably one that I'll remember the rest of my life. With that being said. So hold on. Before we these... move, hold on before we move on. So okay. there is one race that I think has the potential to be my favorite race ever. And that's Bristol 2022, which is in like 90 some <laughs> days and you and i'll be there 86 days until bristol 86 days all right so it's gonna be here you and i'll be there with nort we're going down yep. to nashville to to watch the race and i've only been to one race and that was uh kansas city last year so i'm really super excited to see a short track with these next gen cars and just hear how loud it is and, and experience the short track racing and hopefully it's good. So I have a feeling that one might be uh, up there on the, the favorite race come September. Well, again, let's hope NASCAR can make some tweaks to these cars and make that race a lot more entertaining or make it like the old Bristol because uh, these short track races to this point just haven't been very exciting. It's been pretty hard to pass. Not a lot of grip, so... Uh, I'm like you though. Bristol is, is, you know, was on my bucket list, top five racetracks that I want to go see and we're making it happen this fall. So I am really pumped to go there again. I hope it's a good race, but even if it's not, the atmosphere is going to be electric. It's Bristol. It's going to be hopefully at night, 70, 80, 90,000 fans. It's a night race. I mean, all of the elements are adding, adding up to make that just a really good race. So I'm excited to see see how it all plays out. But with that, with that being said, what, what would be your favorite track if you had to pick one? So that's a tough one for me. I don't think I have a, a, a favorite track. I, I really do enjoy the super speedways. I like the, obviously the, the crashes and the, the hard racing and just the kind of pedal to the metal, no braking. I also really do like the short tracks. I feel like not the dirt, but the regular short tracks of, of the past, and obviously you just mentioned the, the issues that we've had with the short tracks this year, but the, the short track racing is, is pretty cool where there's, you know, you're, you're dealing with lap traffic pretty much the entire race. You've got uh, multiple lines usually that are run, and, and it just provides some really good entertainment and entertaining racing. So what about you? You got a favorite track? Yeah, so I'm a big super speedway fan, kind of like you. Uh, it's fast. There's normally when there's a wreck, there's a large pile up, so it adds some drama from an entertainment standpoint. You know, as you're watching the race, me, you know, Dale Jr. was always my favorite driver, and and he for some reason just had the knack to always, always finish really well at Talladega and Daytona, and he won quite a few races there if you look at his career so those two races or, or race tracks stick out to me obviously the daytona 500 is the greatest race of them all 
Super Bowl of NASCAR held at Daytona. So that's that's always probably going to be my favorite race and favorite track on the schedule. I do like what they're doing now is, you know, adding some some dirt and some road courses and and trying to go to these you know, like they went to the Coliseum for the exhibition race, turned the turn a football field into a to a short track NASCAR race in a short period. They're doing of time. that again next year, aren't they? Yeah, they, they just Yep, they just confirmed they're gonna they're gonna do it again next year. So I do like you know they're trying to add some you know some new tracks or spice things up from from a fan standpoint. But Daytona and Talladega will always always be my two favorite tracks. Uh, again, Atlanta's they changed Atlanta to try to replicate at you know Daytona and Talladega. But my my biggest argument or, or hatred for Atlanta is just it, it was two lanes. It, it's not wide enough to create a third lane. And to make it as exciting as Daytona or Talladega is from a passing standpoint. So I, I don't like what they did there. I, again, you, you know my stance on that. I just hate Atlanta, but um, Daytona and Talladega will, will be my favorite tracks probably from here on out. But uh, when, you, when you look at the overall season, Josh, and, and kind of how this next-gen car has played out and the number of race winners to this point, some new players – in the standings, what is the biggest surprise of the season in your mind? So I think there's there's two, um, and honestly, these are pretty obvious ones to me. I think the first biggest surprise is Trackhouse Racing. To see they've got three wins on the year, and to see Ross Chastain produce and consistently be at the top as much as he's been has been uh, probably the biggest surprise of the year. He, you know, in the beginning, everyone kind of waited to see, is he going to fall off? Is he going to, you know, is the, the you know, time going to run out for him? Is it going back to reality? And he's, they've been fast all year. Now Suarez gets a win. So now both of Trackhouse has, both of Trackhouse's drivers have wins. And that team is, is looking just as strong as, as any of the other ones. So I, I think that's the first one. And then the other surprise to me is is Denny Hamlin, how he has just not performed like he has in the past. I know that he's getting up there in age, but last year he really didn't show any signs of slowing down. And when you look at the at the NASCAR standings points wise, he is one of the lowest drivers, and he was a, a seventeen point driver, I think. His performance has been very disappointing for Hamlin fans, and uh, I don't think anybody really saw that one coming. Yeah, and if if I remember correctly, I think Hamlin was a 19-point driver. Was he that high? I'll, I think I'll he look was a 19-point driver because then you, you look at, you know, you do a 180 and you look at Ross Chastain. He was he was a 12- or 13-point driver, and he's 13. You know, a top. He was a 13-point driver. Okay, what about Hamlin? He was 19. So, yeah, yeah, he was a 19 point driver. So, I mean, just talk about a guy that's completely underachieving or underperforming. And then you look at Chastain, like you pointed out, he's having a, just a crazy good year and definitely exceeding his 13 point value, which is why you saw so many teams trade for him before the trade deadline when it comes to fantasy NASCAR. So, is it obvious that he is the greatest 13 point driver that is? that we've seen. I mean, I have to go back and look, but I can't imagine another 13 point driver has two wins. 
Yeah, I would I would definitely say if there is any out there, and I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I would say he has probably been the best driver fantasy-wise that has exceeded his original driver value to this point. Um, and again, like I said, that's why you've had so many teams trade for him, including myself. I, you just can't deny the, the run that he is on, and, and it seems like you know he's going to be a major player here throughout the rest of the year. So we'll see if he keeps keeps the momentum up. But like you said, track house racing to me is the biggest surprise. So I agree with you. That has got to be the biggest surprise of the season from a NASCAR standpoint. You just don't see these teams in their infancy stages. So this is, you know, they had one car last year. This is the second year of track house racing where they've had a car in NASCAR, but this is the first year they've had two. And to see both cars in victory lane is just, is wild when you look at the history of NASCAR. So that to me is definitely a, a, a biggest surprise. And I think the second surprise is I'm going to do a little shift here is Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson completely dominated NASCAR last year. We all knew that he wasn't going to dominate like he did last year, but man, he has been completely feast or famine and he has not looked like the driver at all that he had that he did last year. So I think you definitely have to throw him up there for one of the biggest surprises of the season. So as far as, as Ross Chastain, I want to go back to that for just a second. Um, so in your opinion, as we get into the off season and we've got these cars, these next gen cars, this was the first year that they, they, they ran it. Data was limited. Now these teams are going to have a year worth of races and a year's worth of data to, to analyze what kind of advantage does a team like Hendrick Sports or the big ones have over Trackhouse when it comes to making adjustments from what they have this year to what these cars are going to be able to look or be able to do next year? So, again, NASCAR has leveled the playing field with this car. Yes, there is a lot of data that these teams are accruing up to this point and will accrue the rest of the year that will be really, really key and critical to next year. But I really do think that this car has, has essentially shown the driver's talents as, as best as possible. And I do feel like, you know, the bigger teams are going to have an advantage, but I don't think it's as big as what it, what it had been in the past and what it could have been moving forward. So Again, everyone has access to all this data now. So if you if you listen to the to the spotters, you listen to the crew chiefs, they all tell these drivers like, "Hey, you're getting beat in turn 3 or hey, you're getting beat in turn 1." They've got all of the other drivers' data to kind of help their drivers at each track and they're going to be able to use that in the off season to then hopefully make their cars better for next year. So, again, I don't think it's as it definitely is not as important as it had been in the past just because NASCAR has kind of eliminated some of the advantages that these teams could have had. Which I think is a good thing. I think the more the more competitive teams we can have, the the better the racing. And I think it's just better for the sport if we can have newer teams and, and teams come in that can compete right away and not have to buy their way, buy their way in. So 
I think it's a good I think it's a good thing in the long run. So. I was gonna say you kind of brought up Chastain. We mentioned Suarez. And I think this is another another quick topic that we can talk about. But some of these drivers are free agents after this season. Chastain, I think he signed. I think he's he's got one more year. If if not, it's this year. But they've got to they've got to give him an extension with how he's, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, and, they're not going to let him walk. There's been, I agree. There's been lots of uh, lots of conversations about him and basically saying that he is the greatest basically million dollar driver out there with how cheap his contract is compared to other guys. So in regards to free agency, you got Truex. He hasn't said if he's going to retire or not, man. The more things I read, the more I lean that he's probably going to retire. I think um, so too. Which, which pains me to say he's my favorite driver right now, but all signs point to him retiring. I hope I'm wrong, but that's the information we have right now. Um, Christopher Bell is a free agent at Joe Gibbs Racing as well. So you That's have an interesting two, one. Yep, you have two Gibbs guys. And, and speaking of Christopher Bell, he he kind of reminds me of of Daniel Suarez. He's got a ton of talent. He rose up through the ranks really really fast. He gets to the Xfinity Series, pretty much dominates. Yet he gets to the Cup Series and just really hasn't shown a lot of performance or, or consistency in, in in regards to finishing. So I think free agency this offseason is going to be pretty wild, especially with this next-gen car. Charters cost a ton of money. Denny Hamlin had to pay an astral amount of money to try to get another charter this year to, to have two race teams. So that's another thing to keep in mind. I just don't see any new big player or team creating a NASCAR team anytime soon. So you're kind of stuck with what you got and there's a limited number of driver seats. So it's going to be interesting to see which big name driver, almost like a Matt DiBenedetto is going to have to go to the truck series or down to the Xfinity series and try to revive their careers and make it back up to the cup series. So Christopher Bell, I could see just needing a change of scenery, you know, just maybe he needs to, to get to a different team, but Kyle Busch is the other one that's a free agent, and yep. there can't be any way they let him go, right? I mean, the the president of Toyota Racing is basically, you know, he he came out and said he doesn't see a future without Kyle Busch. Um, again, his truck series, they use Toyota. Um, he, he's the most, I think he's the winning, winningest Toyota driver, if, if memory serves me correctly, when you look at all the series that he races in. So I, I don't see him leaving. It's kind of weird that they haven't announced anything to this point, but uh, again, you look at Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, basically three, three if not four of their drivers are going to be free agents after this year. So that could that could be a team that looks completely different, or yeah, an organization that looks completely different next year. But there are some big name free agents out there, and you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Perfect. Anything else that you want to get into tonight? Well, you know, uh, I'm I'm. The factician, the the man of facts, and I've got one Zach's fun fact for no, you Zach this evening. Track facts. Zach, this well, this is a fact? this is not a track fact, so oh, we've okay. got to switch gotcha. to I'm make sorry. it a fun fact. Gotcha. So there's two, okay. two versions, two versions. All right, fun fact here. All right, hit this me with is, it. This is Zach's fun fact of the night. Denny Hamlin's real name is 
It's not Danny Hamlin, but his <laughs> what? real name is James Dennis Allen Hamlin. No way. Just found that out tonight. His He goes by Denny, but his real first name is James. So he really should be called Jimmy Hamlin. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what, made you, what made you come across that? You know, you know what's funny is I, I I can't remember what the heck I was looking at, but it showed up as James Denny, Dennis Allen Hamlin. I'm like, who is that? It's Denny Hamlin, man. So <laughs> that is insane. That is the Zach's fun fact of the night. Oh, I love it. I think that's a a good spot for us to end it. And we've got we put out an episode just like we said we would. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. And a little different than than our normal podcast, but next week we'll be back uh, on our normal schedule. We'll be recording Tuesday night, and we will actually have a race to cover. So Nashville on Sunday, so that is exciting, and uh, look forward to recapping that one and and seeing how the Na- how the Nashville standings or the results uh, impact our fantasy standings. So um, Zach, any final thoughts? No, I'm I'm glad racing is back. Like you said, it's Nashville. Should be a really fun race. Can't wait to watch it. I'm excited that you know NASCAR is back, and and I don't think there's a break the rest of the year. So we're gonna have a, something to talk about every week now until until the the champion is crowned, both in NASCAR as well as fantasy. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. Make sure you join that Discord and and hop on there and chat with Zach and I and Nort and everybody else that joins and. We'll have a nice uh, race watch party. Well, Zach will be muted because he watches it at night, but uh, he'll jump on at the end and, and uh, can give his thoughts on the race when he when he gets caught up with us. So uh, make sure you join the, the, the Discord November 6th at the West Side. Remember that. And uh, we look forward to talking with you guys next week. All right, have Josh. You have a good night, buddy. All right. We'll see you later. See you. Show day. I lost my mind. I need my spine.